and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Karen Gately, I am absolutely delighted that I'm getting to chat to you and hear your story for She's the Boss Chat. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, my God. I'm very excited to have you here as well. So let's just start off with what you're actually doing now. What is your business? So the corporate dojo is my business, and that's really merging all of my worlds, you know, all of the things that I've done in my life that have been significant, such as um, being a martial artist, being a black belt in karate, combining that with my career as an HR director and, you know, now helping leaders to thrive, help leaders to step into roles where they can be optimally influential and impact their organization's success because of their own character, because of their own capabilities, you know, the person that they are turning up to each day. Um, And then obviously helping teams to be at their best as well. So, yeah, lots of work with humans. So it's training, corporate training programs, is that sort of the gist of it? Yeah, look, the way we do it varies depending on the team, but common um, things that that we're engaged to do are training programs, obviously, also one-to-one coaching, um, advisory work, you know, so when there's a particular challenge, so we need to shift the culture or we need to lift business performance or, you know, whatever the outcome might be, then we'll be engaged to, to support that journey. So, yeah, whether it's training, coaching, advisory, um, you know, it varies, as I say, but the main goal is to help those teams to and ultimately businesses to be at their best. Fantastic. I can just imagine what a fabulous, fabulous trainer you would be. Thank you. So, um, now, without giving away the whole story because I'm going to get you to tell me the story, why did you set it up, though? Was there a bit of a light bulb moment? Was there something that happened that you went, right, I'm going to set this up, corporate dojo? Well, we actually were born, um, Ryan Gately was our first name. And at that time, yeah, so we've been corporate dojo for the last, I think it's around two, two and a half years. Prior to that, Ryan Gately started out life as an outsourced HR department. So I'd worked as an HR director and had a friend and colleague who was an HR director for another funds management business. And we both saw an opportunity out there to help organizations to tap into good HR advice if they didn't have that in-house. And um, for me, though, coming back to your question, there was um, a bit of a mission that I wanted to go on, and that was to ultimately have an impact on the quality of people's work lives, but ultimately- the quality of their life more broadly and just, you know, humanity. What I could see that was that, you know, a lot of people were just at best surviving their work lives, you know, that um, there was a lot of issues, whether it be mental health (laughs) and stress and burnout and just the pace in which we were operating. And I remember like it was yesterday just walking down Collins Street and observing all these people coming marching 
past me and, you know, they were just like lifeless souls. And I just thought there there has got to be a better way. There's got to be a way where people can love their work and leaders can be effective at creating great environments where people are energised and better off because of their work lives. You know, in my mind it was logical that in that scenario, businesses would benefit, that results would follow. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I wanted had, to- had, you, had you seen that model happen or, or work somewhere? Was there somewhere that you'd seen that you thought that's the kind of culture I'd like to help the organisations build? Yeah, well, great question because I was at that time working for a phenomenal organisation okay. where it absolutely worked. And, you know, so that was Vanguard um, who are funds managers, investment managers. Okay. And as a um, the business was born in, in the US and we were the first overseas operation here in Australia. And there was a lot about the Vanguard culture that was absolutely brilliant. And a big part of that was the expectations of leadership, character and conduct, really. Um, You know, so one of the most career-limiting things you could do in that organisation as a leader would be to lack integrity or to behave with a lack of decency toward people, you know. So there oh was. Oh my this god! Fun- I love it that that, that they actually <laughs> realised that that happened and discouraged yes. it. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. Well, absolute leaders in their thinking around, you know, at the end of the day, they knew that to serve their investor well, they needed um, a culture based on integrity um, and trust and respect were seen as essential ways in which we could deliver to the investor, deliver to our customer. So, you know, it was a very mature organisation when it came to understanding that link between culture and um, ultimately, yeah, the organisation's impact to its customer and and in the world more broadly. So I felt... um, incredibly lucky to be part of that and that organisation and and grew up um, through, you know, gaining experience from an HR perspective in an environment where um, the leadership team, clearly there were exceptions to the rule. Like I'm not suggesting that everybody was perfect all of the time, but there was a very strong baseline understanding um, and depth of integrity when it came to leadership. So my question has to be, why did you make the jump then? If it was such a great organisation, what what made you decide to go out on your own? It was really um, wanting to have a broader impact in the world. So, you know, there's a level of sadness almost that here I was operating um, or living my career, if you like, within an organisation where there was a lot of strengths in in these spaces. I could see that just wasn't the case. And when you listen to stories, you know, listening to people on public transport and how much of their energy is just going into being disgruntled about one thing or the other, whether it's Mm. colleague relationships or whether it's their boss or, you know, all you have to do is tune into the average conversation on public transport or in the city (laughs) to just hear the depth of misery um, that, you know, happens in the world world of work. Which is so sad, isn't it? Yeah. And, And it was feeling sad about that, wanting to 
have a, a positive impact on, as I said earlier, humanity. You know, wanting people to be thriving because of work, not because not not the exact opposite of that. So, yeah, I wanted to be part of what I perceive as an army of people who are out there trying to have that influence, trying to teach leaders, you know, how to be the best possible version of themselves, how to have a positive impact on the strength of the human spirit within their business, yeah. how to leverage that ultimately to drive business results and performance. Um, so, yeah, I wanted um, Ryan Gately back then well, to when you be said part of then, that change. How long ago was it? Um, Roughly. I think we're coming on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this happens when one ages. <laughs> I'm trying to work out the Even long though we're only really spring chickens. Uh, oh, it's absolutely. Oh, I mean, is 16, it 10 15. years, 15? 15, coming on 16 years. Wow. Well, um, congratulations we to have had your business for so long. So let's you. go right the way back and hear how this journey has unfolded. So can you take me back to when you were a little girl, whether you have brothers and sisters, what your parents did, uh, whether you liked school? Yeah. Tell me that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I started doing karate when I was five. Oh, wow. Um, really? Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> well, my father was doing karate, ah. so I was, I was aware of it through him. And it does make me laugh to to think that as such a young little girl <laughs> that that's what I really, really wanted to do. But depending on who you listen to, um, yeah, the story very slightly between between age five or six, um, you know, I started to really nag. I had wanted to do it for quite a period of time before that as well. Right. So, you know, from about the age of four, I really started asking him if I could train in karate. So, yeah, so eventually was allowed to, off I went. And so, you know, do, the significance of that is I do have siblings. Yeah, I was um, going to say, my and, brother and, and, and I. Do they, do, did they get into karate too? Yeah, so my, my brother um, trained as well. My sister trained for a very short period of time, but she did um, train. But the significant family link really was that my father was my karate instructor. Right. So, um, yeah, you know, we were, as a family, immersed in that world heavily. So we had um, dojos. That was my father's full-time profession was running karate oh. schools and so you know I'd go off to school and um, come home but I wouldn't go home to a house I'd go home to the dojo right. I'd do my homework Watching at the dojo I would yeah teaching I would be teaching or I'd be training or I'd be working behind reception so by the time I finished school and you know started well certainly by the time I finished university I actually had a lot of experience in the family business you know I'd been there literally Every day, and did your mum and had played a lot of different did, roles? I was going to say, did your mum work in the business with your dad? Yes, yes. So for a very long time, right. um, so she was the the business manager, if you like, and um, running all the finances and you know all the, the engine room, if you like. And he was the the chief instructor okay. and the person driving marketing, et cetera. So, yeah, it was a full-blown family. That's great. I love hearing about that because, I mean, you know, we talk about role models and that was clearly he was a role model for you. It's so funny, isn't it, because we don't necessarily think of the impact we're having on the young people around us, but clearly he did. And so did you enjoy school? I absolutely loved school. Um, for the most part. <laughs> so, I want to hear what that little caveat you know, is in there. 
Yeah, so I think, you know, every part of my life there has been, and I think this is true for a lot of people, where there is the the shiny side of the coin, but then there's mm-hmm. the shadow side, you know, so there's aspects of it that was super positive. So that was certainly the case with my family relationships, but there was a dark shadow side to it as well that um, also profoundly imprinted on me. And school was the same. So I went to three primary schools and three high schools. And that was because as a starting point, we immigrated from South Africa. Oh, so I didn't when know. We landed, so how old were you when you, your family came over? Um, so I was 10. Oh, my God, Karen, that's, think, all, that's um, almost 10, exactly 10. the same as me. And did you have any family here? Yeah, so we had some uh, on both sides of the family. We had, my parents had siblings. Um, So not huge uh, numbers, but but certainly had some families. So at that time with South Africa, you know, as you're probably aware, people went to Australia, the UK, America, which is pretty much what my family did, my extended family did. So we ended up with relatives in, in all those places. And yeah, so as as a young child, we landed um, as I say, going into, I think, grade three. So I was, okay. yeah, about 10. And and so, you know, I went to the local primary school near where an uncle, in fact, where we were staying with my uncle and auntie, near where they lived was where I was enrolled to go to school. So this is did in that Melbourne? For a year. This is Victoria? We, yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. And then obviously we got a home, a family home, and so I went to the local primary school that was close to there. So I'd been to one in South Africa, one when we landed, and then a, a final primary school for grade five and grade six. Then went to the local high school for a couple of years. Then we moved right. house again. So changed in year nine. Um, that was not a good school. Things oh, were going dear. south. Things were, were not great. And then I went to the final school in year 11, year 12, which was Tintern. And, um, and you love Tintern. So Tintern is actually st- – yeah, well, Tintern's still in my world because um, I'm currently on the oh board of Tintern. Oh, my God. That's um, hilarious. That's yeah. fabulous. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And are you still in touch yeah. with the girls so, no, that I'm you on- went to Tintern with, any of them? Well, no, I had one super close friend um, that we drifted apart as the years went on. Um, but because we were both landed there on the same day in year 11, first day at a private girls' school, having, you know, gone through the state system up until that point. So it was a massive, <laughs> massive shock to the system. So, yeah, um, so no, I don't have a lot of old um, it's friends funny from that yeah, time. Yeah, I went to Corowa in year 12, which is a terrible year to go and start a new school, let me tell you, if you thought year 11 was hard. Absolutely. But um, my St Margaret's yeah. friends, which were the school in Berwick that I went to when we first moved to Australia, so I arrived in the middle of halfway through year seven and I was 11 and a half, and, um, and I'm, I still yeah. see them. We still catch up about four or five times a year. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so you yeah. finished school. It's brilliant. Um, really enjoyed Tintin. Where did you go to from there? So did I did a phys ed degree. Um, <laughs> oh, actually, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah the karate. Because, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I was training, I was competing, you know, I, I went to the world championships wow. during year 11. So you talk about, you know, um, being indoctrinated to a new school on my very first or maybe my second, I wouldn't want to be quoted, whatever it was, um, school assembly. 
I had to stand oh, up gosh. in front of the whole school because I'd been to the world championships. So I started at the school and about two weeks later went off to the world championships and then came back. So I was a brand newbie. Um, but we won Whoa. a gold medal at that world championship. So the school wanted to say congratulations. So here I am as a 16-year-old, maybe 17-year-old, um, yeah. utterly horrified by the fact that I've never stood up in entire school. <laughs> I'm happy to go and fight at a world championships in karate, but I don't want to stand up in front of my peers. You know, that, that is way scarier to me as a 17 year old. You didn't know everyone else, but they all knew you all of a sudden and what you did. So, exactly. But it was a, but it was a, it, and the karate but it was a kind was of a good experience. So, mm. um, so you went to uni, yeah. did PE. What did you do from there? Yes. Well, at that time it was incredibly difficult right. to get a – teaching job. So when I graduated, I started to do emergency teaching. Um, there was just a shortage of jobs. And so, you know, just getting a bit of experience here and there, um, but not particularly patient <laughs> as a character. Um, so, And I, I also started to look beyond teaching because I think as a kid, doing phys ed kind of made sense because I was an athlete and I was training hard and, you know, I could imagine myself as a PE teacher. But then as a young adult, by the time I graduated, I started to look at the school system and just think, mm, doesn't didn't quite excite me, you know, to become part of that. I could imagine teaching the kids and loving it. But was finding myself really curious about the business world. So um, I went and got a job in a client okay. service administration kind of team. And, um, you know, I think a big part of it is the martial arts. But even at that job, I wanted to be really super good at it. Um, so I worked really hard to be good at that. And so very early got a promotion into being a supervisor and a team leader and, from there, it gave me the opportunity to step into the next role. Um, I was very fortunate to be appointed the um, client service manager for the Victorian wow. Superannuation Board. Wow, as it that's was huge in your early then. 20s. Yeah. Yes. So what was great about this is I actually years later had the opportunity to ask that very general manager who hired me into that job. And I went on. Um, to have a long career with him because right. he ended up at Vanguard and he was the one that then invited me to come across to Vanguard and then I worked for him for years. So, and then I was the HR director, right? So, once I was the HR director, I said to him, why did you hire me for that job? That was crazy. Like when I look back on how much experience I didn't have, and he said, you know, you were just so clear on the fact that you could work it out and that you'd work hard and you'd give it a go. He said, I just thought, you know, if you were as half as Come good as, as what <laughs> you think you're able to achieve, yeah, he said, you're going to be great. So I was just, you know, at the end of the day, I had a character yeah. where he could tell I wanted to learn and I was really hungry to be good at it and that I would strive for that. And, and so he bought into, in hindsight, he bought into my character and he could see that, I think that, you know, the martial artists and the discipline and the determination. So yeah, so went into client service, and then he sounds like an amazing guy. Really, to Um, have picked you up, and then for your loyalty to have stuck with him for so long, is just an indication that he must be a great guy. Because otherwise, he would have left, or he would have left, or something. So yeah, so that was Tony. So Tony was a brilliant. Brilliant man, and then um, he was the chief operating right. officer at Vanguard. While for you were a long head of time. HR, 
Um, okay. Yes, and so ultimately I ended up working for Jeremy Duffield, the managing director, um, and, you know, so Tony, but Tony was always, I always likened it to like in the martial arts world, you have your sensei who's your teacher, but then you also have your senpai yeah. and your senpai is your senior. So they might not actually be your teacher, but they're, they're further ahead on the journey. Right, yes, you know, the role model. Of learning. Or somebody to follow, yeah. Part of life. Yeah. So he was always somebody who was, you know, um, in that senpai role at least if I, if I wasn't directly reporting to him. So, yeah, very lucky to have met him and then ultimately that organisation, as I was saying before, brilliant, brilliant organisation when it comes to understanding the human, you know, part of the equation. Um, so you're at Vanguard, you are loving it, you've obviously got this fantastic boss. So was how long had you been there when you had that tram ride that you just thought I've just got it? Was it the tram ride I think you said that you said, I've got to go and change these other people's lives. Yes. <laughs> I was walking down the <laughs> exactly. I was walking down Collins Street. So yes, plenty of trams there. Um, I had been at Vega right. for eight years by the time I um, stepped off to start the business, and and probably thought about it for the last like, twelve months thereabouts. I mean, as it turns out. No, no, I was just going to say, did you work right sorry, the way through? On, did you take a year out to go travelling? Did you do any other things? Or because you were so disciplined, I'm guessing. My best friend at school was a Commonwealth Games swimmer. So I kind of remember it. She was in with that that awesome yeah, okay. foursome or whatever they were that ended up winning all those gold medals at the Olympics. But And I yeah. know her dedication was four hours before school every day, yeah, well. four hours after school, then pretty much go to sleep and st- rinse and repeat. Did you have that opportunity or were you travelling with karate or or was it really head down, bum up work all the way through? Yes. Um, all, all of the all of the above. <laughs> so we did we did a lot of traveling. As I said earlier, you know, I was in Japan the year right. that I started at Tintin. Um, we, you know, probably for about ten to twelve years, it was every right. year we were in Japan. At some oh, so it's point. not like other sports um, where your so, yeah, um, had championship tends to move to different countries every year. Japan is the heart. Is that Japan? And I would have thought it was China for some reason. Well, um, well, karate depends on the martial art that you're talking about. Um, Karate, karate is Japanese. Um, Traditionally, well, originally it's Okinawan. If you go all the way back to it's through various um, roots, but the the form of karate that we did karate empty hand is is Japanese. And so we would travel to Japan um, for gradings with, you know, our senior grandmaster in Japan. And we would also at times be there for tournaments as well. But the tournaments would, would change. And so, for example, we traveled to the US. I personally traveled to the US right. and right. Um, to Finland as examples for tournament. Yeah. So... Yeah, so when it came to competing, we'd go to a variety of places, but for grading so and training courses, etc., we were often in Japan. So have you always felt a very close association with Japan? I mean, so, having spent that much time there from such a young age. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. I love Japan. Absolutely love Japan. And would would get back there in a heartbeat. You know, so much about it was was brilliant. Um, you know, in terms of just the geography and the architecture and all that kind of stuff, like it's an amazing place to see. Um, but the people are beautiful and yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a lot in it. And then obviously our interest in the martial arts and there's a lot of Japanese culture. And he's still doing it. I didn't ask that. The martial Karen, arts are you still well. doing karate um, You know, I don't train in a dojo anymore. Um, you know, it's it got to the point where way. life and running a business and all the rest of it made it really difficult to have that. Yeah, so we still train as in um, both my husband and I because my husband oh, that's so is someone cute. I met through, again, karate and <laughs> the he's karate a third dad like God as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Kids, have you had them the learning karate from an early <laughs> So. And they didn't, didn't go for them. They they did a little bit of it, but they, they're they their own people, right? So Jordan, our eldest, um he played basketball and absolutely loved that for a long time. Um, his little sister um, played basketball as well. Archery, Our middle child that's cool. loves archery. <laughs> um, so, they, yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a, you know, again, the martial arts link. It is a, a martial art, archery is. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's something that each of them, did a little bit of, but none of them got right oh, into. Man. But it is something that they're super proud of um, us for, you know, like they think it's <laughs> well, pretty it cool that both <laughs> of their parents were black belts. And, you know, I remember one day, yeah, we got all the trophies out of the, the roof one day and uh, my husband laid wow. them all out. And both my husband and I competed for Australia and um, did did very well in competitions. So we had a lot of these trophies and medals. And so anyway, they came home from school and there's all of our bling all over the floor. So, asking if they could take you to know, school for show and tell. We thought it was really funny. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, no, they, they were proud of nothing else. Our children were ultimately proud of what we were able to achieve in that world. But coming back to your question, you know, I did a lot of um, training and competing and travelling with all of that and then, of course, had my three beautiful children as well. So the the longest maternity leave I think I had was three yeah, months. Just head down, bum up. And... Um, so, so okay, you know, so, so let's try and get my two, work, I'll try and get my bearings again now. So were yeah. you working for yourself when you had the kids or were you still employed in those days? So so when you started the business, no. was it anything to do with yeah. coming back from maternity leave or anything like that? Not at all. Wow. No, 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 no. So my I haven't actually done the math on this, but now that you ask me, my youngest child is 20 now. And, yeah, so there you go. So, yes, she was still little. So it was a huge leap of faith because I was the sole income earner. So my husband's been a full-time dad, was a full-time um, right. father from the time the second child Amazing. was born. And that child's now 24. So for a long time, yes. Kev was what we call the director of the I think it's a measure affairs. of a great man if he'll so do that, actually. He was I, kind I of literally, everything this humming. weekend, have just come back from um, lunch oh, with brilliant. Fabian Datner and her husband. Same thing. They've been married 38 years. They're so happy, but he was very happy to stay home and, yeah. and look after the kids and do art and do a whole lot of other stuff like that. It, it's They're yeah. great guys. Couldn't do it without them, really, could we? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah, and no, exactly. whoever Kev, it was, Kev Ryan, was decided star. to go out on your own. Tell me a little bit about what it's like starting business on starting your own business because, I mean, I know it very intimately, but I'm sure there'll be women listening who'll be thinking about it. So what was it like? Yeah. Were you terrified? Yeah. Well, um, yes and no. Okay. Right. So the story goes that Lisa Ryan was my former Great. partner, a fantastic friend um, to this day. And her and I had this idea and we thought, okay, there's, there's a need for this. So we both worked for CEOs who would say to their friends in business, if you need any advice, just give my HR director a call. <laughs> so, so we had a few you know, small business people from time to time getting in touch going, what about this? What about that? And that's when we start to, you know, again, it was the same sort of timing where I was starting to look around going, well, what is wrong with this world and and so we could see that there was a need for it and um we wanted to to get out there so we started talking about it conceptually and started to plan and sort of put our minds to it and then all of a sudden in quick succession um a few things happened where i just went you know what i'm done i need to go and do this now so i was loving my job and loving that organisation, but there were some things that were seriously grating, you know, and um, I can see now, yeah. obviously, when I'm in it in the moment, I couldn't see it as clearly, but I could see now that really what it was was that desire, that um, yes. impatience yeah. to get out there and, and go and make a bigger difference and get step outside of this contained role. So... I, I rang Lisa and just said, I've got to do it and I've got to do it now. Uh, I ended up having this massive <laughs> argument with a colleague. <laughs> it was at the yeah, it was at the end of that. I just went, Oh, you know what? I'm I'm down to Matt finish. I'm losing my tolerance. I'm losing my patience. It's not about him. It's not about anything to do with this business. Yeah. It's got to do with what I need to get out there and go do. So I decided that, you know, the the time was now. So I rang Lisa and I said, look, I just got to do this thing. Are you coming? So to start with, she said no, that it was too soon for her. And I was still willing to give it a go anyway. And then within 24 hours, she rang and said, yeah. all right, I'm going to do this. So that was better um, to have somebody else to stand at the cliff's edge and, and choose just to step off and give it a go. And I think what that time of my life taught me was – It really was about having faith in me and recognising that the only certainty I had was what I could bank (laughs) about my own character and my own determination and my own intelligence to work things out, right? Like um, I I got to a point where I felt that I had more evidence that from past experience I was going to succeed than evidence I was going to fail. So rather than feeding fear and constraining or limiting my potential, I need to just to step past that. So, you know, it was exactly, exactly. And so we stepped off and, you know, we were incredibly fortunate as well because we both had really solid relationships. Um, So in Lisa's case, her old boss um, essentially outsourced part of her job to us as a business. 
So we had that same because client. Because there is something that we should talk about coming, right now, you know? which is when um, you jump right into business by one. yourself, those clients don't just walk in the door because you've opened your door, do they? You really do have to kind of make quite a big effort and start to understand no, how new business no. works, which can be pretty confronting on top of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I had to give people thinking about this one one piece of advice, no. it's don't assume where that support and opportunity is going to come from because I think when you're employed, you go, okay, well, I know so-and-so and I know so-and-so and they'll they'll back me. In my experience, if you go straight to someone and say, hey, Jules, could you be a referee for yeah. me? Could you put in a good <laughs> word? Most people will say, yeah, sure, you know, assuming you do actually have a good relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're happy to help if you directly ask, but is that same person sitting there proactively looking for opportunities for you? No. Are they proactively thinking, oh, I should connect, you know, you with that that other person I know because there could be business in that for you? No. And, you know, people can have really good intentions and have absolute respect for you. But yeah, the reality yeah. is they just get a, go on and get about getting on with their own business and, and doing what they're doing. So you have to help it, um, people you know to understand what you're doing and to know where you fit in and to know how to identify opportunities for you. And then you've got to do it's the work to stay in touch with them to see if, mm. if, if there are any opportunities. So, Or to be constantly going out to networking events but not saying to people, could you introduce me to someone you? that you know who might need my services? Yeah, that's right. You've got to actually ask for it. Yeah. That's right. And you've got to, you've you almost got to accept a simple truth. And that is everybody knows your own business to earn business, you know, to win business, no. to ultimately get paid for that. So you don't need to apologize for that. You don't need to tap toe around it. You just need to actually ask the question do you know where there are some opportunities? And, you know, sometimes people can introduce us to someone or whatever it might be. But if we don't actually proactively, connect with that opportunities. That is really, really good advice. So what were the early years to like back and of, wait um, to arrive? What was it, and Ryan Geekley? <laughs> Ryan Gately. So lots of really hard work. <laughs> we, um, in addition to Lisa's former employer, he also, um, that same guy, talk about these gems in our lives, right, introduced yes, us to somebody yeah. in his network. Again, CEOs tend to talk to CEOs about their people issues. So that was really useful to and us. And the next one's going, oh, you should try corporate joke. Because CEOs Dojo, are complaining really to me. each other about <laughs> different things in their lives. Yeah, yeah, you should. <laughs> exactly. So that was brilliant. You know, we had that warm introduction into another client. So we, we started life yeah. um, with two pretty significant clients and, and that took a little bit of the pressure off. But then it was all about if I had to summarise what was the first few years about, A, the first year was just bringing money, right? Just keep your head above water, yeah. just earn some money. Not all of it was the ideal type of work. 
um, but just stop pedaling, stop pedaling hard. Um, it was at that point that Lisa, my business partner, oh, went, oh, okay. mm, yeah. not sure which, which is another, which is another interesting insight because I want to go down. if you are a bit entrepreneurial, so, you assume everyone else around you is, and I'm shocking for this. I'm always trying to get people to start their own businesses. But the reality is I did it to my best friend and it was an absolute frigging disaster, like disaster yes. because <laughs> she just wasn't into it. And uh, and I really learned that lesson yeah. the hard way of don't, you know, yeah. it, it, it suits some people, not everyone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, we were at the point where I wanted to start to think about expanding the team and at least yeah. having one more member of the team. And that for Lisa was a step too far. It was like, no, and now you're asking me well. to not only be responsible for my own family's income and, you know, to participate in your families, but then somebody as well. Like, it so was just when too she much, left, how did uh, that leave stressful. you? I, I mean, how did fun. you feel so, at that time? Because and, I know I've had a what, couple of splits and, and that have been super friendly and they're great, but it is very different doing it by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm really glad actually the way it played out because um, I knew my intuition was just screaming stressed, at me yeah. that she's not happy. This is, it was making her incredibly stressed and which again, she's somebody I, I and love. And she didn't want to let you she's down. So she didn't want to so, say to you. you no, know, I could see that in her. <laughs> and then you've got that delicate dance see, of I do I imagine. say, are you exactly. happy or are they going to be upset that that's I'm trying to get rid of you? Know, like, oh. It's a delicate dance. Yeah. 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 So I it was it was it was obvious to me. Or it was just it seemed to me that she was not in a good place. So she asked, she said, Oh, you know, can we catch up for coffee? And I'm like, Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, if she doesn't say something, oh, I'm yes. going to. And anyway, um, again, yeah, especially that when you too. think about what I do for a day job, right? I could see, I could see her just I could see her discomfort. I could, you know, I could see it all happening. And so we're sitting there having this really awkward cuppa. <laughs> and eventually I just laughed. I said, Lisa, I know, I know you're not happy. I know this is not what you want. And that's okay. Like, I will work it out. Am I afraid to go it alone? Of course I am. Um, but yeah. am I grateful for the last year I've had to be able to hold my breath with you there, you know, leap off, lay down the foundations that we have, you know, Beautiful. my attitude was I was always going to be eternally grateful for that comfort and that support in that really early stage. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I made it okay for her to be um, okay with, you know, walking away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she was hugely um, and it is relieved hard. and, it's, and it grateful is hard. because anyway, that was the conversation she wanted to have. in a contract, the, the two of yeah, you? Yeah, it was just too to much. extent? Um, Actually, I, to be honest, I can't girls, remember if we'd yes. written it down. I think we probably would have because we were trying at least. But it was, to sounds be very, like it was an easy break well, anyway. We were trying to be very responsible about it, you know, and very thorough. And um, so I believe yeah. it was very easy. Again, my attitude was I just gave her back yeah. what she'd put in, um, you know, just to make it clear. I just felt that that was fair. She didn't expect any overs after a year. You know, we were still working hard and to build foundations. So, yeah, I think we both just wanted it to end well. And she has oh, unquestionably fantastic. been one of my biggest supporters and biggest 
she's like my cheer squad. Like Lisa, literally, if she was listening to this, I I feel very safe in saying this. Oh even my god! Listen to it because I know that she would agree. But Lisa literally thinks I can do anything. You know, like it just that makes is me the laugh. Absolute best she's, kind of partner to um, have like, in she business. She has way though, more confidence in me than than I, I do. I used to say just, this about my um, business partner Simone Hayden, who was um, with my she's PR just the best, partner, and I'd yeah. say she was my enabler. Every time I'd go to her and say, "What do you reckon? I think we should do this." She'd go, "Yep, let's do it." You know, she or she'd say, "I'll back you." Just go for yeah. it. You know, it was always the sort of, and now, and I've yeah. got twins and yeah. I look at them and I'm like, life is not difficult yeah. when you've yeah. got somebody else yeah. always that going through everything grateful. with you. The, the risk is completely diminished. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I was, you know, again, even after she left, she was a, a cheer squad. She was a supporter, um, you know, and to this day, a, a super close friend. She's brilliant, as I said. Uh, but we're, yeah. we're both, I would say, again, as she was here, I'd feel comfortable saying it in front of her. I think we were both proud of one another and the, ourselves, you know, that we handled it Um well, we had made a promise to our friendship that, you know, if things got hard in the business that, that we'd prioritise yes. the friendship, we would work hard to hold that together because we knew that that was a really common it's casualty uh, when people go into and business And what did you do friends. then? So, I mean, did you, were you in an office yeah, so at that after stage? Year, were you yeah, working so from after home? Year. How did it grow? Tell me a little bit about it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so we had this yeah. tiny little tiny little office in the city <laughs> and the reason I laughed is because yeah then it was just me <laughs> so here I, here I was in my little city office and um and then I hired I think the first person I hired after that was an administration assistant so someone to actually keep me out of you know some of the the details so Lisa when we came into right. it we agreed that I would be head of sales and she would be head of finance um because that suited our skill set so when she yes. leaded, yeah, that um, makes sense. left I needed to replace that head of finance pace and it, and it just didn't make sense for me mm. to either get my head around it but also to expend energy and bandwidth or capacity on that, but it still needed to be done well. So, yeah, so I started building the team from an admin perspective and then added um, consultants. And But, you know, where we are now, um, I no longer have my own team yeah. of consultants. So that was a path I went down for a long time um, in the Ryan Gately days, but ultimately made a decision that I didn't start this business to to spend all my time managing the business and consulting is a very right. um, heavy load around actually managing a team and managing utilisation and, you know, selling enough business to keep other people busy and, and all this kind of stuff. So I've changed my business model quite dramatically <laughs> the over the last three or four it? years. Um, but, yeah, that was the <laughs> Sorry, path we that were I just talking about the last Lisa three or left. four years. No, um, the pandemic has, yeah, well, true. The pandemic has really just sped it all up. Like, you know, when I'm, when I look at it, it's been a huge blessing, 
huge blessing for my team, my business, our progress in what we're doing. So it was always our intention to go down this path, but the pandemic said you have to do it now. You can't live on aeroplanes. You can't rely on getting people into classrooms. And so we've spent a lot of time and effort. We've launched our members' learning centres. So, you know, I'm passionate about um, giving ready access to leaders uh, all of the fundamentals that they need to be good at people leadership. And so we have this whole pipeline of e-learning um, programs and um, toolkits Fantastic. and resources and webinars and seminars um, all centered around those fundamentals of being a, a great people leader. So, you know, that's going that's a subscription-based membership so people oh, can well be done. a member and then gorge themselves yeah, on all of this, you know, hopefully value-adding Studying insight. and learning online. Um, so, yeah, um, that's, I mean, I know there's been all sorts of changes, but that for me is very heartening because I, I it was always yeah. seemed so logical to me that people should do it. So, And even though yeah. some people have reluctantly been, you know, yeah. dragged into yeah. it kicking and screaming, it does yeah. make a huge difference. Okay, so so now um, we know about the corporate dojo yeah, a little yeah, bit. Can absolutely. You, I've, I've just got a couple more questions. Um, have there been any pivotal moments outside of obviously Lisa leaving, which would have been very pivotal, and the pandemic, but any challenges along the way where you have thought, well, let me put it this way. W- with my business, there have been times in my life where I've gone, where something's happened and I've gone, oh, my God, what am I even going to do? Like it's really frozen me for a day or two. And then I've thought about it and I've gone off in another direction and I can look back on it now as, wow, thank goodness that happened because otherwise I never would have done X or Y. Have you had some moments like that that you could share? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the most significant is... The, the first consultant I ever hired into my business after Lisa left okay. became an incredibly important part of my world. So right. became almost a surrogate business partner in my mind, right? So somebody that I trusted and I respected and if I was worried about things, you know, I'd talk to him. It was always my dream that he would you know, talk to him. It was always my dream that he would, so being really Partner capable and a good human, it was always my dream that he would become a business yeah, partner. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, we, you know, in terms of formalising that, but we operated that way. So it was he and I and then a small team and then all of a sudden I really didn't see it coming on any level. He decided he wanted to right. become an HR director. He hadn't actually worked in-house and, you know, had he hadn't done that job basically is what I'm trying to say. So he felt that that was something he really wanted to do. It was a point in his life where he really needed a change. Long time. Yeah, and long time, right? So that was – that just absolutely knocked me for a six. I didn't see it coming. Um, I had already sort of evolved and moved my own role in the business forward, um, but that was very reliant right. and dependent on him being yeah. in in the role that he was in. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, zero interest in studying again. I had zero interest in getting out to market and trying to replace him. I had zero interest in trying to replace him. I had zero interest to dramatically shift 
the way the business delivers its services and, and who we are and how I resource the team. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a big, yeah. big moment. So it took me time um, to refind my feet, to find confidence again. Um, I, t- yeah. I now know that Corporate Dojo would not have been born if he had stayed because he is not a black belt. And that used to go on in the back of my mind because we had training programs, for example, called Black Belt Leader. But I was a little bit uncomfortable about that because he's right. not a black belt. I kind of, I didn't want him to feel awkward. I didn't want him to kind of feel like he was being a fraud on some level or, you know. It, yeah, yeah, or someone to say yeah. to him, oh, so you're a black belt leader. Tell us yeah. about when you got your black yeah. belt. And he goes, like, mm, I knew let's just that change was the subject. different <laughs> and difficult for him. Anyway, so I would never yeah. have called the business um, the corporate dojo. I would never have gone down this path. But Corporate Dojo is a very different business to Ryan Gately and it is it is a much better business. Nice. It's um, everything that I, I dreamed of wanting to create. Ryan Gately on some levels was great foundations, but really I was somewhat distracted from the core mission. So, you know, I'm absolutely grateful. I have zero doubt, as I said, that he needed to leave um, it needed to be such a earth-shaking moment, yeah. So that Chattering. you know, reminds yeah. me of the. You know, t- but it does make totally. you stop you and take to. stock, doesn't it? When that sort of thing happens, it does make you literally look at, and you can't just no. skim over it this time. You've got to go. Yeah. What the f am I going to do? <laughs> you know, I yeah. need to re- really I structure to it, and, and it, and it does. So, yeah. Well, I'm so glad yeah. he did as well. I, I, yeah. You know, no disrespect yeah. to him. He was obviously a great guy, yeah. but look yeah. at where you are now, which is so great. Okay, now um, because this is a show about women, and particularly women that are very successful, I am interested because I have heard lots of stories about burnout as to how you're doing the juggle. Now, you're a mum. You obviously still do some sort of martial arts. You've got your business. You've got your husband. How are you doing the juggle? Do you split time out for fa- like what sort oh, of hours Jules, are you working? There's so I guess much we could I mean. talk about around this one because <laughs> um, I have been to burnout know, back twice in my career. Yes. Oh my God! Have you? And I'm. I am. Oh, I didn't cured, realize that. Right? And I'll tell you. I'll tell you the magic sauce. Right. <laughs> <I> can... <laughs> yeah, do. And then okay, tell so us the what magic the cure is, is um, that it's a choice, <laughs> right? And it's. It is absolutely a choice. Right. I spent years allowing the business and my world to come at me, and. And rule my life. And, and so life. I was just constantly on the back foot, constantly feeling that I had to, I was obligated. I was, you know, working seven days a week. I was working crazy numbers of hours. Oh, my um, God. And eventually, I mean, I've battled depression and anxiety and those things aren't just as a consequence of burnout, by the way, but they absolutely contributed, um, those life habits. You know, yeah. I've come to terms with the fact that there were other childhood traumas that absolutely contributed to me having a a psychology around unrelenting standards and this perfection and this drive to be enough kind of stuff that many of us battle with. And so 
people pleasing, yeah. going above and beyond, all that kind of stuff was causing me to over invest and overreach when it came to the business. So eventually, many, many years of you know going up and down and running out of energy and and two two, and two places burnouts. where I just hit rock bottom. Um, you know, I've, yeah, I've finally wow. decided to practice what I preach, and that is that you know, when I think about, for example, as a martial artist, you don't just compete and train nonstop. You rest and you recover and you, you know, you nurture your injuries and you make sure you're getting your sleep and you're getting your um, your downtime. So if you apply the same rules into being an athlete at work, if you like, or being your best possible self as a business owner yeah. or entrepreneur, um, your mind and your body are the vehicles through which you can actually achieve those outcomes for your business. So it makes zero sense um, on just a practical level to not recharge, to not make balance a, yeah. a, a non-negotiable priority. I think we make it a nice to have, um, but my mindset has shifted yes. dramatically to it's non-negotiable. Without balance, I run out of energy and like a race car, if I have no fuel, I'm not going to win the race. It's just that simple. Very so, true. yeah, just yeah, that acceptance it. that it is a choice. It's my choice. I can work like a lunatic or not. So, so what do you do now? Like a weekend yeah. just for family? Do you yeah, stop definitely work at what, Never what are your, work weekends what are your anymore. Um, and again, that was an always yep, thing. Good. Um, when we're not in lockdown, it's a lot easier to stick to the gym routine. So most nights I head off to the gym, and so that forces me away from my computer. I still work relatively yeah. long days because I actually really enjoy it. And that was another thing that I yes. um, made a decision around is if I'm really having fun, I'm really enjoying it, it's okay. It's nothing wrong with doing more than nine to five, but it's- No, it's, no, no, not at all. Exactly. But it's, if it's every day and if it becomes yeah. a slog and That's you're right. forcing That's yourself right. to do it is something I, I guess I, I don't have that overworking. I don't. I remember my first business partners when I was about 23 saying they didn't really like my work <laughs> ethic because as as soon as we started, I think we got, I got, I was doing new business and I think I got us up to about 35000 a month, which was massive in those days back in the early 90s. And I said to them, right, now we're making all this money. Let's all wind it back and see what we can do on four days a week and take alternate, you know, Fridays off. And they absolutely went ballistic at me saying, we don't like your work ethic. And I was like, I can tell I'm really all about yeah. lifestyle work is a yeah. means to get there. It's not necessarily the right well, way no, to think. I don't think, think it's the wrong way to think. Probably better than yeah, killing no, yourself I think it with comes work. down to a, a more profound question around what is the what does it mean to each of us to be living us from what is the what does it mean to each of us to be yeah. living us from a part in for many of us, at least it, it leads to at least not undermine our ability to be thriving, right? But yeah. Yeah, but it might be something true, that's a big true. enabler of that. But what we each see as thriving is unique and different to each of us. So I just don't think there's a right or a wrong. I think there's a, a practical yeah, no, reality right. about whether or not our bodies and minds can keep up. Yeah, give yourself yeah. enough food and sleep. Yeah. And a little yeah. bit of rest time and some yeah. socialising time and then yeah. really you can do whatever you, right. else you want but to do. not deprive yourself. Um, here, 
Now, here's my favourite question, which a journalist suggested I ask, and I love it. Wendy Hargreaves, you would know from, uh, for anyone listening, Karen had a show on Ticker TV at the same time that I had the She's the Boss show. And the question is, is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? A quirky fact about me? (laughs) Yeah, I've heard the most extraordinary things. So, um, I went to my first ever bush doof at 48. I'm 50 now. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. So before that, what, you've never done I've a never bush? Never done stuff. a bush. I'm a massive hippie at heart, but I've never actually done the music festival thing. And um, I was very, very lucky to be a young mum. So Jordan, my eldest, was born when I was 22. And so, you know, he's he doesn't see me as being an old fossil by any stretch. So he very kindly invited me to go and tick that off the list with he and his friends. So, um, yeah, went off to, I think it was called Esoteric Bush Festival, <laughs> music <don't> festival. <laughs> it was freaking hilarious, I've got to tell you. Um, so, you know, there I was in the queue with all of the other uh, kids. So Jordan, when I say kids, um, at this time he would have been 25. So I thought okay. it was very generous of him to invite his mum. It was. Yeah. <laughs> it, I think it also validates that you're a cool yes. mum because otherwise he wouldn't have. Well, they, this is how cool I was, <laughs> right? It was fact. like 2 o'clock in the morning. This is how cool I was, right? It was like 2 o'clock in the morning and everyone's just, you know, going crazy doing their thing on the dance floor and there's me sat on this um, park bench with my coffee. I'm pretty damn certain I was the only person <laughs> drinking coffee at 2 a.m. <laughs> Chances are out in the bush yeah, you probably were. Yeah, there was a guy with a coffee cart. I said, am I the only person that's come in your direction for a while? He's going, yes, you are. It's great. Let's give it another four or yeah. five hours and they'll yeah, start coming think, to me, but not in the I think that, the was, that was the case. But it was a wonderful right. opportunity to see him, his friends. They're, you know, that's what they're into. It was great. Fantastic. Mm. Okay, very last question is about your iPhone. Are there any great business apps that you might, or it doesn't have to be an iPhone, but do you use any clever apps on your phone for business that I wouldn't have heard of? And do you play on your phone for pleasure? And the answer can easily be no, because a lot of people don't. Yeah, no, I don't know if I can think of. I've got really boring things on my phone, like Workflow Max, uh, Zero. <laughs> I think that's about right. the extent of business Yes, apps. I have to say I'm yawning as yeah. I hear that. So I'm looking for the like the one where I every once in a while you get someone who says, oh, there's this, that. The last one was, um, I think it's called One Password. Have you heard oh, of that? I think I've heard of it, but I don't have it. Can't claim to. You have to remember One okay. Password and it just populates all of every single thing oh. that you've got with different passwords, but you can get to it wow. with one. Anyway, I thought that was very clever. Um, Karen, you are amazing. It has been fantastic to hear your Thank story you. and I can't wait to share Thank it. You. If anyone wants to get hold of you, but what is the best way to find out about you or well, what the, you're doing? Uh, and maybe the classics, obviously. You, you can um, come to our website at corporatedojo.com. Um, yeah. Obviously, you can also get in touch via LinkedIn or any of our other social media channels. Okay, great. So, yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. This has been it's great. Been fun catching up. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders, 
and our TV show, go to she'sthebos.com.au. 